Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dragon Sword 11 Warriors.com. I am Bo. He is Johnny. A little potpourri for a late June. Well, it's more rain. I mean, well, what are we doing here, man? <laughs> like, how, how much rain can we get? Thank God on the big recruiting weekend, we had a great weekend. Because um, any other three day, two day consecutive period, we would have been covered in rain. But at least uh, all the kids were in town and had themselves a nice weekend. Yeah, it was good. It was good because, first of all, this is a huge, been a really huge recruiting month for just the Big Ten in general, obviously Ohio State specifically. But, you know, it, it's it's been good to see all those pictures. You got all the guys in their uniforms at midfield in Ohio Stadium <laughs> fooling people who believe that that means that they've committed. I uh, couldn't even keep track of who had committed and who hadn't. Right. Truly. And that's the there thing. were so and many of those shots. I couldn't even – the most important thing that happened to me is there was a kid now. I think his name was Cameron Martinez. Somebody will tell me I'm wrong because I just sure. don't pay that close of attention to it right now. But I think his name was Cameron Martinez who posted a picture of him in the uniform that they wore against Alabama with the gray sleeves, uh, which got me excited that those uniforms still exist. I mean, that was the most notable <laughs> thing for me. Well, look, I know, that's, I know that's your personal, like, white whale. I don't know. You know what? This is what I was thinking about. If every time we get a new coach – they change something aesthetically, right? They they do yeah. something to the uniforms. I would, I mean, somebody needs to do like a writing campaign or just stake out it. in front of his house and just say, yeah. "Look, we need those as our main uniform." That's the primary like they, uniform. Yeah. I mean, it's I, it's stupid not to do that. And either they do that or they just do a complete one eighty and do something completely crazy, which I would be fine with too. But I just don't like the base uniforms that were, you know, the staple of the trestle and the. And the Meyer years, I, I they're you fine. Have gray I, I think they're on good. home uniform. The home uniform has to have gray on it. You're not yeah. scarlet and black. That's what I'm saying. And and the the way they did it in the playoffs in, in 2014, 2015 was perfect. And the, those? Those, those were amazing. Yep. So and everybody feels like it. I actually so we are actually James Lauren I and I are actually doing that. We are, we are campaigning. We are chasing him after Ryan yeah. Day. We've got the brakes. Well, in we car. had him on. I had him on the show and I asked him directly if he would put gray on the sleeves. And he said, it's under, it's under consideration. And I said, well, such a weak coach, answer. Let's yeah. Let's just go. Like, let's make it. So it's too easy. <laughs> Don't tell me that. Yeah. Everybody will love it. Trust me. And you're right. Like aesthetically, it's just a small switch that would get him so much favor, much like, oh my like Holtman crushed all of this stuff when he would bring back like the Jimmy Jackson uniform or the Clark Kellogg uniform or play yeah. at St. John. Those little touches mean so much to, to this fan base. Right. I was going to say, you need to peer pressure him. You need to get Holtman on at the same time, just in wax poetic about how many jerseys they yeah. sold, how many people showed up St. John Arena. Like just, just really just lay it on thick. Yeah, I, I will do that. That's a good idea. Yeah. It's vital, man. It's it's something that people yeah. really want. Yeah, it's vital. It's simple. Like get it done. I couldn't keep track. There were so many kids posting. Um, usually on the weekend, I check my like my Twitter like once in the morning and once at night. That's it. I I got the kids the rest of the time, so we're coaching baseball and stuff. So I stay off it. Um, so I check it once in the morning, once at night. And I was just scrolling through, and I just saw all of these kids in these uniforms, and I'm like, what does this, this mean? What in the hell does this mean? I couldn't keep track. Like at the end, uh, uh, by the end of Sunday, I'm like, oh, from my vantage point, it appears that Ohio State had the best weekend in the country. And then I, I said that, and people are like, no, not at all. Like only two kids committed, and the rest. Of, and I'm going, I don't know what to make of it. I think a couple of things that you can make of it, though. And I was talking with James about this uh, actually today on the radio show. We said, you know, the one thing you can say is that that uh, Ryan Day can recruit quarterbacks. He can, and Brian Hartline can recruit receivers. Like that, 
we know like offensive skill players are going to come in droves now defensively um they've got to prove it and so i think those commits will come you know during the season and after the elite defensive players because brian hartline what brian brian hartline selling ohio state is i say this about urban it's it's don draper selling mercedes-benz it's an easy sell you know hartline al washington might be a very competent linebackers coach in fact we know he is right but what we don't know is is who, what he means to Columbus, to Ohio State. We don't have that yet because he hasn't done it. I mean, he's not – frankly, use James. If James Laurinaitis is coaching linebackers at Ohio State and he's the all-time leading tackler for the Rams, is a three-time first-team All-American at Ohio State, that resonates. You know right. who that is. So I think – and Hartline benefits from that tremendously. Defensively, they still have to prove that a little bit. Street cred matters a lot. Uh, Larry Johnson can sell himself because he's Larry Johnson and he's like, you know, he's, he's done it. You're right. He's, you know, everybody knows who he is and he's amazing. Yeah. I think just Jeff Halfley is everything. I mean, every interaction that we've had with him as a site yeah. or reporters is just unbelievably impressive. Uh, that dude's going to be a head coach somewhere sooner and later. Uh, and I really hope that he ends up being like the defensive, you know, coordinator and waiting essentially because he's, like I said, just unbelievably impressive as a person and a coach. Yeah, I think when his name gets more recognition, and hopefully Ohio State, if they if they have a rebound year defensively and play really really well, Halfley will will start building that. But you're right, they when right now, what you're going to have to really base a lot of this recruiting on is results and reputation. And if you yeah. don't have either of those, it's going to be kind of harder to to get some of this recruiting. They're still in the mix for a lot of, you know, higher level four or five star uh, defensive recruits. They've recruited really, really well on the offensive end. As you've mentioned, there's still a couple guys out there that they're um, talking about. Uh, Henry, you know, was one of the guys I think he's going to be committing on the 29th, I believe now. I The reason why I know this, because I don't really usually follow recruiting too closely, but I was the weekend editor uh, this past weekend, and I was okay. basically just waiting around for teens to commit. So, you know, and and that's look, as a high school teacher, I will tell you that that really basing your schedule on the whims of teenagers is is just not really a good plan. So I I sat around for most of the weekend uh, just trying to, like, figure out when when are these damn teens going to commit? And it just didn't end up happening. Um, But I I still think there's going to be a couple more commitments the next week or so that people will be really happy about or not. Who knows? I don't really know. And honestly, you know, you take a nice picture at midfield. It looks great. And then they go ahead and commit to Kentucky or something. I don't know. And honestly, like at this point, it doesn't even make any difference. I mean, Justin Fields was committed to Penn State, went to Georgia (laughs) and is now going to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State. That's right. So, I mean, it doesn't even really matter at this point. There's so much. Uh, so much can change in these things. So, uh, you know, Ask Penn State, it's all right. Like, you're right. Yeah. It's, it's very, now they're going to play Justin Fields. They thought that he was going to quarterback for them. Um, yeah. and now, you, now they're going to play him. So, um, that, that I can't imagine the bitter pill that is to swallow. Um, I saw this late this afternoon. So, the state of California has introduced a bill that would allow college athletes in the state to earn compensation for use of their own name, image, or likeness. It would begin in 2023, which seems like a long time ago, or a long time from now, but it's not. not. Uh, We'll actually be, we'll be here in a blink. And would actually, if this were to pass 2023, you're getting close to kids who could commit what next year would benefit from this. If they, in football, if they stayed, they could benefit from this. 
perfect timing for Urban to go to USC, right? Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so Mark Emmert's not having it. Um, he wrote a letter to two state assembly uh, committees last week. He's the NCAA president, of course, and he says that if this passes, California schools could face the prospect of being prohibited from participating in NCAA championships. Uh, that would include all of them, obviously. So what I would say, uh, the bill overwhelmingly passed the state Senate last month. There's actually a similar bill in North Carolina as well. I would say right out of the gates that this probably needs to be a federal bill, not a state bill but it can start in the state and California can absolutely pass this. And I think they will. And I tend to think it'll be the end of the NCAA as we know it. Um, do you, am I any hyperbole with that? I, I think logically, no, I, I think what's going to happen is that uh, there'll probably be some kind of agreement that is eventually made that will, they'll tamper down on this. I, I'm really curious. I want to know, what the prospects look like for similar bills like this in the varying states that they'll be trying to pass. And because for right now, it looks like like a, basically a bipartisan issue, right? The, the person who's introducing it in North yeah. Carolina is a Republican. Republican California is yeah. obviously a Democratic heavy state. I don't think that this is like a Democrat Republican thing. I think this is going to be an individual state by state thing. There will be some states that I, I believe will probably just outright reject this. And yeah. a lot of it may be based on how they feel about college football, which to me is very interesting. So if this a similar bill were to arise in, say, Alabama, I don't know if it would have the same prospects as maybe like Indiana. Well, maybe. Yeah. It'd be well, in Indiana with basketball. I don't certainly. know. I would yeah. think we would so, be in the same boat as Ohio, as Alabama. That's right. And so to me, it's just really fascinating because I do think that there would be a lot of financial considerations with regards to, okay, is it going to hurt, you know, these colleges who make literally $180 million a year, mostly off of football. So I don't know. It, it, it's, I don't think it'll be necessarily the end of the NCAA. I think people like having these, that as an organizational, you know, kind of program and, and, you know, organization to help, you know, facilitate some of these tournaments and things like that, but it doesn't have to exist. So no, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, to me, it's hard to imagine, but on the other hand, that doesn't mean it can't happen. So, so I, I think, think it's hyperbole. Yeah. Um, I think it almost has to be, you have to look at this almost, this is really a two sport issue. Right. Um, you know, there are a few Katie Ledeckis, but the majority of people who this will impact are uh, are football and basketball players. Right. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's, they're the ones who can, are going to have the likeness, likeness. They're the ones who are going to have an ability to make, to profit off it greatly. Um, the other sports, sad, you know, for whatever, they just don't. I mean, they don't, they're not money generating, and so they're not they're not they would not be have an ability to make money off their likeness. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, though. Didn't um, Olympians this last time were able to keep their prize money from the olympics right and still maintain ncaa eligibility well see that's what i wanted to bring up because that's it's not just necessarily olympians kyle snyder has made hundreds of thousands of dollars participating in you know foreign tournaments and things like that where he's been allowed to do that in his prize money yeah prize money he's he's a very rich dude before he graduated from college because of his his winnings in these international tournaments that's so, so what's he interesting could profit is, off of that? He did profit off of it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and my point is, is that you're absolutely right when you say that this is a basketball and football thing, because there are avenues for non-revenue stars to make money in other ways. Basketball, football have been largely shut off from that in a lot of ways. I mean, you're a baseball player, right? Like you can sign contracts. You can you can. End- 
enter into the draft and things like that. Same with the NHL. It just depends on how you or hockey. It just depends on how your your contract is handled. But you can still do that. You can still enter into financial contracts. I think football, especially because it, you know, you've got to wait to enter into, you know, that period of time where you can actually make money. You're, you're forced to stay in college because of the NFL. You know, they've got the rules set up. Um, I don't know. It, it's fascinating to me, and I really am curious to see how this go forward. I think it's insane that you know Emmer and the NCAA would say, "Okay, California, you just can't participate in championships now." That's <laughs> stupid. Right. Like that's that's just that is just petty. Feel, stupid it seems crap. desperate, right? Doesn't it seem like well, a desperate plea? You like know, and Stanford, crash. Stanford, yeah. who wins like twenty five championships every single year, like right. you're, you're shutting out. It's like shutting out the Soviet Union or the United States of the Olympics. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like that's basically all non revenue sports are going to be irrelevant. You know, for a certain part of the country, because you're being petty about you know people making money. That's just that's dumb. right. I hate yeah. that. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's um. Um, on the football and bat, it's basically about control is what it comes yeah. down to, because it's the idea of how can we possibly uh, control a football player who makes $275,000 a year off of their likeness in and around Columbus? How can we control them? Right. Well, I mean, it's not a problem in the NFL. <laughs> That's right. No, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, no. it's, it's not. And it's, everybody says, well, how's it a level playing field? Well, life's not a level playing field. It's already um, not a level, level, right. Playing. It's not already. So, you know, and it would eliminate all of this nonsensical, you know, hundred dollar handshake. And now it's probably should be more like $10,000 handshakes that have been going on forever. Like it would right. take all that off the board. It would make it above, it would make it above board. Frankly, it, you could actually do something for the compensation. Yeah. And you can monitor it. That's the big thing. If you want to, people will wring their hands about this and say like, well, you know, how do you make sure that, you know, kids aren't getting things from unscrupulous places? Make them report it. That's fine. Just say, you got to write down and like keep track of what you're doing and then tell the school what's going on. That's it. And at least then, like you said, it's above the board as opposed to, okay, well, we're going to meet here at this car dealership and okay, we're going to let you rent this thing. And by the way, there might be a packet of money in the glove box. Like None of this shady cloak and dagger crap. Just put it above board, monitor it, and I think that'll be fine. I don't understand why that's such a big deal for people. And I think um, it, it would be very easily, very easy to have a certain person on every staff that monitors the uh, the endorsements of the individuals. How big are the compliance departments? Exactly, they're already, already there. Right. Like, and then, and then, as opposed to trying to make sure nobody's taking something illicitly, you could just monitor what they take legally. Exactly. Yeah. And, it's, and just it's, keep an eye on it and make sure it's, I mean, because there, there would be certain guidelines to it, just like there are guidelines to, and I don't mean financial guidelines, but in terms of what you could endorse, just like there are unwritten rules for what you can endorse in being an NFL player. Right. You can't endorse everything if you're in the NFL. You got to have some sense about it. Right. Um, and so I, I, to me, it's a very straightforward thing. And it's just common sense to let people get what they're worth. I, well, I think it's. It, the, the dumbest part about it to me is this whole Keystone Cop situation where it just feels like the NCAA is five steps behind everybody else when they're trying to figure this stuff out, right? Like, okay, so we're desperately trying to hold on to the way that it is because it's been a, this cash cow. Like, this model has been such a behemoth. Right. And they're just trying to keep it as it is as long as they can. They're holding on for, like, grim death. Yeah. And it's just, so I wrote on the website this weekend, I put up like a buckshot, just a little, you know, blurb essentially about the investigation to LSU sports, for example, which is now 
kind of bled into the football program. But it yeah. started in the basketball program, right? And this this booster who was stealing over half a million dollars from charity, right? Ends yeah. up becoming complicit in this like multi hundred thousand dollar, you know, scam to give money to play. Like it just that had been going on for a long time. And they're just now catching up to the idea that it might also be in the football program. You can't you can't control this. The NCAA does not have the resources or the capability no. or even the authority, frankly, to be able to monitor this stuff. And it's been going on forever. And I think we've all been kind of like resting on this idea, this this pretend world, right? This this myth of, you know, the student athlete who doesn't take money and blah, blah, blah. But even for players that even for players that aren't stars, that aren't really big names or anything like that, they're not going to get that in this situation, no matter what, right? Yeah. Like a third stringer is not getting $500,000 no. handshakes or hundred or $10,000, right. any of that stuff. They're not going to get it no matter what, but their teammates are still getting that. So when people say like, Oh, that's not fair to the players. It already isn't fair. It's already that's happening. Right. And now it's shady as hell. At least that way it'll seem like, you know, it was earned, right? If somebody wins the Heisman and then they go out and they sign like a $20,000 deal to use their likeness or something, at least that'll seem like they earned that as opposed to, okay, well, I heard this guy in the locker room talking about this car. Like this, it's ridiculous. So now, furthermore, I, I, I just, like I said, I agree with you. I think it's petty. Yeah. I think it's dumb. And I hope they back off. I hope they come to some kind of agreement. Honestly, I don't think it would upset the Apple card at all. I think the same teams would be the power teams. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, that's where the likeness would be worth the most. Yeah, I don't see it that changing at all. I mean, like, that's the other thing. I mean, why does it have to be local? If somebody who plays for Alabama, like, you really think they have to, like, only deal only with advertising you know, Tuscaloosa? Tuscaloosa? <laughs> that's not right. how that works. No, no. I mean, it, and the schools that are good would be the ones that, are, that stay the good because they're the ones yeah. that would matter the most, too, and their brands would be the strongest. I mean, it's right. They pretty go simple. To schools. They want to go to schools where they think they can win and go to the NFL and they can get whatever endorsements they want. If it's at Boise State, if Boise State comes out or, you know, Chris Peterson does amazing at Washington and they win a national champion, people are going to go to Washington and do the same kind of stuff that they would do at Alabama or Ohio State or USC or Georgia or wherever else. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it would all be the same. So, I, yeah. you know, I'm very curious to see where this goes. I wonder if it'll get picked up at all from a federal level or if. Because in California, I think it's going to get through, and they're going to you're going to have to deal with it pretty soon. We talk about 2023; that's pretty quick. Uh, right. I saw this today, USA Today. Actually, I saw it over the weekend. USA Today put out its top ten college football towns. Now that's the headline, right? <laughs> top ten yeah. college football towns. So, um, I think that they need to sort out what this list is. So I'll give you the list. Many of you have probably already seen it by now. But number one is Madison, Wisconsin which it's Madison's good, but I would not, it's not the best in the big 10 Athens, Georgia is two Austin, Texas, three Baton Rouge, four Ann Arbor, five Tuscaloosa, six Auburn, seven Miami, Florida, eight South Bend, nine and Boise, Idaho, 10. Um, <laughs> I, this is the most bizarre list from the stamp. First of all, thank God they do lists like this, right? Cause it gives us something yeah. to talk about in June. That's right. Um, and that's probably the point of these lists. If this is a list of the 10 best towns that have college football in them, then Miami would be number one or two behind it'd be LA and Miami. Those are great, awesome world cities where you can do anything that you want with, with all of the trappings of a big international city, right? If this is the best college football towns list, then Miami can't can be nowhere near this. 
Right. I, I was at my, I've been to Miami at its peak in the early 2000s when uh, FSU would go down there and they would play in the Orange Bowl. And it was spectacular. It was a spectacular environment uh, downtown where there's in the shadows of downtown, kind of in Little Havana. Actually, it's where the ba- baseball stadium is now. The Marlins baseball stadium is. And you would. It was great. But I would talk to people down there even then, and I would say about how great the atmosphere is, and they would say, well, you ought to come when we play Boston College. I mean, there's nobody there. So there wasn't anybody going to the games when they had Ed Reed and Sean Taylor. And there aren't anybody going to the games now. Now, some of it's unfair because Miami is a small school in comparison for its football prowess. It's a small school in addition, small private school. They don't have a bunch of billionaire boosters. That's why they got into bed with Nevin Shapiro. And their stadium now is 45 minutes from campus. Right. <laughs> They're not walking to the games. I mean, it's not even close. Well, so, the main attraction in Miami is not football. It's it's Miami, right? It's the city exactly. of Miami. As it yeah. should be. Miami's an incredible Miami's city. Great. It's, it's yeah. one of the great cities of North America. But it's not a college football city, right? It's not a college no. football city. I don't know how you and then to have to have Miami eight and Boise ten. I mean, they're not even they should, those two things can't be on the same list. Now, if you're doing, I look, I've never. I, have you been to Boise? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like you would have, right? Yeah, it's not that far. I never yeah, went to a I, Boise State football game, but I've been to Boise, Idaho. Okay, so I've never been down. to Boise. Is is Boise an? Is it a nice town? Is it? A, oh yeah, a, yeah. Okay. It's a yeah. It's a really good town. Like you could. It's very livable. It's beautiful. Um, it's bigger than you think. It's um. There's, it's got everything you'd want. Uh, great climate, Southern Idaho. It's spectacular. It's great. Like you could live there tomorrow and you'd right. love it. Yeah. It's yeah. a great and that's, town. And that's cool. But I don't know that, that that necessarily brings the same thing to the table that like, you know, a Columbus might where it's. Well, no, they're apples and rhubarb. I mean, it's not, <laughs> you know, it's not, they're not the same thing. That's right. why like, you know, we are most like Madison, Austin and Baton Rouge. Like Columbus yes. obviously should be on this list, but we're most like those, those cities where we're big cities and state capitals and major institutions are there. Baton Rouge is the most like Columbus. I don't mean culturally or food or anything, but it's a city of about a million people. It's the biggest mm-hmm. city in Louisiana and it's a state capital and Louisiana state's there. And they're really the only show in town, much like how Ohio state's the only show in town in Ohio. Right. Yeah. And that's, so what's interesting is that Ohio state football put out a video uh, just today, basically <laughs> Columbus, so it's good timing. That. Yeah. They like in, yeah. they found and a sunny day. Yeah, well, it's you know, it's it's got all these scenes of Columbus, and the first thing is like the two whitest people in the universe riding <laughs> bikes. But it's look, it, and and, not, and you know, I'm as an incredibly white person myself. I, I'm doing peloton this year, so I don't really have any any room to talk. But it's it's fun. I mean, Ohio. Ohio state is the big dog in Columbus, but there is a lot to really love about Columbus. And I think the video does it pretty good. You know, it's a great town. I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel like sometimes that. we're almost so insecure in Ohio. Oh, like we always God. have to say how great we are. I get so tired of that. Yeah. Like, just be great. You don't have to talk about it all the time. Like everybody I, who lives here knows how great it is. Ohio. I could go on a huge rant about this, but the, the anxieties that I think are embedded in the people who live in the state, mostly because of the rust belt, you know, and the decline of industry in the eighties, but the anxieties that are so lived in about, you know, inadequacy and not being cool, being a flyover state and being the state. If, if there is ever a movie or a TV show where a person is murdered 
for going to New York City and being naive, they are always from Ohio, right? <laughs> she was just trying to make it big in LA. She was just trying yeah. to be a star. That's true. She's from Ohio. She doesn't know how the big city works. Big city. You know, I'm in yeah. New York City. I got caught up in this sex ring and I got murdered for it on SVU. Yeah. Like this, That's you know, and I'm from Columbus. Like <laughs> the, the perception that I think uh, Ohioans have internalized of just being like, well, we suck, you know, it, it's just, it, it is kind of sad. And you don't need to put out, big videos of and when you're when you're you know feeding these kids you know and, and bringing them to columbus on recruiting visits and whatnot they they see that it's a cool city they see that there's a lot to do um, do you think that there's a how much of a challenge do you think it is for ohio because columbus is booming in and of itself right it's, oh yeah it's boomtown we know that but yeah. then at the same time because what what many of these school places on this list are and i've been to most of them is Mm. charming and (laughs) right can you be charming in a city a metro of three million can you still have all of the features that alumni who graduated in the even as recently as 20 years ago Mm -hmm. uh would look go back to campus and it's unrecognizable oh well no it's how do you do that dance how do you do that dance where you improve upon what was, but also because one thing, the reason that we have such a warmth in our heart for the places that we attended is the feeling that you could go back there and it's virtually unchanged. Right. Now that's, you know, you can't stop commerce. Um, but at the same time, like there has to be recognizable things that harken back and you pay homage to. Right. Yeah, you want to be able to go back to the Dube. You want to go back to Larry's, Mama's Pasta and Brew, all that stuff. And that's, you know, they're not there anymore. And for me, as someone who loved all those places when I was going to Ohio State, it it does kind of suck that that stuff's gone. Um, (laughs) I live right up the street from uh, the last family video in Columbus, which just shut down next to a Little Caesars, which is pretty great. Um, But, you know, I think that's, they just had, I think, the 20th anniversary of Easton, right? And what's yeah. interesting to me is how campus partners and the you know, Wexters and all that are really trying to split the hair there by, okay, we want to keep this charm. We want to keep the Ohio Stateness, I guess, of High Street and that campus area. But we also really, really want to build it up. And so what they're doing is I think they're trying to try to have it both ways, but it's you can't do that. And, and I no, guess- No, I don't think so. You know, for me, the appeal to Ohio State was not necessarily campus itself. Because I, when I was in high school, I didn't, I'd been to Columbus maybe a half dozen times in my life. Like I'd gone to the zoo and I'd gone to Kosai, but mm-hmm. I'd never like gone to campus. I, I'd been to campus, honestly, before I started taking college visits, I had been to Ohio State's campus probably once or twice in my life. And okay. that was it. Like I didn't know anything about, I barely walked around. I didn't know anything about it. Um, so the stuff that I really enjoyed was the stuff that was there while I was there, but it wasn't like, I wasn't attracted to Ohio state because of the stuff that was there. It's something that I discovered when I went, I think Ohio state, the students that are going there now are different. It's a different kind of student. They're, they're much more higher achieving. I think they're probably more, um, I don't know, maybe conscious of like their, their like careers and higher academia and things like that. They're, they're really, really, really smart kids scoring like perfect scores in the SATs and top 10% of their graduating classes. I don't know that it's the same vibe as it was when they let in anybody with a high school diploma. 
And so maybe the priorities for what it means to like have a thriving campus are different. Maybe it's more about building up the campus itself than having all these quirky things on high street. Right. Like, so use kids isn't there anymore. And I love use kids, but but I don't know that any of the students there could give less of a crap about whether they have like a used record store there or, you know, a pasta and brew place where you can get shanked after 8 PM. Like, I don't know that they care about that. So, yeah. No, it's valid. And that's fine. And then that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah. I don't know that that makes Ohio State bad or, or not as charming or as interesting. It just makes it different. And, you know, it, it's a different vibe. But, you know, Ohio State was grungy. And I think people took pride in that grunginess. But I also don't know that the students going there now would would appreciate it as much. Yeah, I, I would say, I think it's an interesting thing. Because when you think about college football towns, um, like the most college football town to me in the Big Ten is State College. Sure. That's because yeah, it's yeah, because that's it. That's I mean, the business. That's it. That's yeah. all there is. Right. And and most of them on this list, um, Auburn, Tuscaloosa, Ath- I mean, those are Athens is a great town. I mean, you you know, that's a fantastic town. Tuscaloosa is fine. I think Auburn is actually probably better than Tuscaloosa. Uh Baton Rouge has gotten really big since Katrina. Um Madison Austin's a big town. Um, and Madison is you know, kind of just a little bit below from a size standpoint. But when you think of like college football towns, like it's possible that Columbus is a college football town and then mm-hmm. is not the prototypical college football town. Like, well, let college, me... You know, it's critical, but I don't, there's so much else going on. When I think right. college football towns, I think the only thing they got going on is a college football Saturday. And here's that's how what the SEC is. Yeah. And, and here's what I would say. I think Ohio state, is so dominant culturally on college football game days, which is is great. And that's awesome. And that, that should put it in the top 10. If you're making a list, Columbus should definitely be right there in the top half. But here's what I think. And, and this is where I think Austin comes in a little bit, which is that I believe that the people who are in charge of the city and the people who are doing development love Ohio State. They want Ohio State to continue to be a cultural force and successful, but they also want to move this city and other cities like it, people are in charge of that, away from the idea that it is the only dominant cultural force. So yes. They'll give Ohio State the weekend, and they'll say, okay, but the rest of the time, like we're, we've got five other things we want people to focus on. They want to be, they yeah. want to branch out because they don't want to be state college. They don't want Ohio State and Ohio State football in particular to be the only game in town. And that's why you see a lot of investment in the crew and the Blue Jackets and all these other stuff that they're doing because they they want Columbus to develop in a way that isn't just centered around this Ohio State football stereotype, I guess. And Austin is the same way, right? I think Austin's right. probably I mean, the Texas best. Texas is this huge yeah. force, but Austin doesn't want to be known for that. I think Austin would be the model then to follow, even though it's smaller than Columbus. Right. Um, like it has, you know, the live music capital world and all this type of stuff. Like it's, it's sorted out its own identity separate from the university of texas like they've really done a nice job with that that's Um, right and and that's and to them i think that's more valuable than the university of texas being the primary like cultural force for austin they would much rather be known as the live music capital of the world than the you know texas longhorn capital of the world yeah what's your favorite uh non-columbus college town man (laughs) i hate to say this um because I don't like the university itself and it, it has an earned reputation. Uh, but Oxford, <laughs> Miami, Oxford, the town itself. Is oh, I thought you were talking cool. Oxford, Mississippi. Like, no, 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 no. I'm like, geez, John, I never went. You'd love it there, but I didn't know you went there. 
No, no, no. Miami Oxford is unbelievable. Okay. I've never uh, been there. If we're talking about Penn State style, like you know, Happy Valley style towns. Miami Oxford is just a beautiful, wonderful little piece of Ohio. Um, okay. I don't love the university, but the town itself. Now, with that said, my sister went to Vanderbilt, which somebody expressed doubt by. I mentioned that in a piece I wrote this weekend. Like, I don't, I don't believe that. Well, yeah, my sister got a free ride to Vanderbilt. She went to Vanderbilt. <laughs> why right? would people not believe that? I don't know why. He did not explain. Uh, but Nashville is an incredible <laughs> college town. Nashville is a really, really cool place. Yeah, so, that's crazy. I'm offended by that. It, do you not believe that Ginter Stock could get, could get into Vanderbilt? Andy? That's very. That's insulting to me. Yeah, I think you're safe. I think the Big yeah. Ten's got a lot of great college towns. I think there's some absolute dogs. Um, but <laughs> yeah. but I do think you know I think Ann Arbor's fine, and I think Bloomington's nice, and um, Ann Arbor's nice. Yeah, Madison's good, and uh, happy. You know, State College is great. Um, you know, so the, I mean, the only one that I really hate is Champaign. Um, and I think that's mostly just because every time I go there, it's I've, every time I'd, I ever went there, it was like the second week in November and it was eight degrees and the wind was blowing sideways and it was raining right. and sleeting and gray and awful. I mean, so it was like we stayed at a hotel out by like, you know, the freeway. So just I never really got to see the campus or anything. So but I have a friend go there. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I have a friend who works at a college near uh, Champaign, and uh, the pictures she posts on Instagram are beautiful, but it's this, you know, it's just this barren wasteland, basically. That, That's what you I know, and, and then her, her little campus is like kind of this oasis of trees, but everything else around it is just, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's the worst uh, drive in the history of the world over there. Yeah. The but worst. Bloomington's nice. You know, I've been to Bloomington several times. It's cool. I've been to Ann Arbor several times. It's a nice little place. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think if, if you're looking you what, for, I was really yeah, surprised with, um, I was really surprised with Michigan state. Oh like, yeah. Campus. yeah. It's a really yeah. nice campus. I didn't, right. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I've heard that East Lansing is really good. I've, I've not been there, but yeah, it's, uh, I've nice. heard it's, it's a nice it's place. Real, to hang out. Really nice. Really nice. Yeah. So we do a nice job on this. It's always going to be big 10 sec. Those are always going to be the two that are going to be most represented on any of these lists. Right. when you talk about college football towns, cause they're, typically the way that they are um want to remind you be sure and visit 11 warriors dry goods for hats shirts stickers and more dry goods at 11 warriors.com also don't forget to follow the 11 dubcast on twitter and rate and subscribe on itunes or wherever you get your podcast time in the program we do we do a little ask us anything my friend what do you have for us well if you guys would like to ask us anything please send us questions to uh, dubcast at 11 warriors.com or at 11 dubcast on twitter first one's from a good friend alvin alvin wants to know for whatever reason ohio state had to repick their school colors what color combo should they pick Jeez. wow well i would um I don't know. The first thing that came, I mean, I think I like the gray more than the red. Yeah. Because every, a lot of teams have red and we're the only one with gray. Right. Um, so I would keep that. I'm trying to just think like of, off of Ohio history on this. I mean, I do one thing I really like, I don't like the naming of it and I don't like the way that it launched, but I like the idea. Like, I think they should have been the Columbus blue coats. I mm-hmm. think that would have made more sense than blue jackets i think you know <laughs> yeah. then you get the bumblebee involved like if it's blue coats i think it makes direct sense so maybe blue and gray okay there are, i, think I don't know cool. there are any but and nobody's that color that might be good it's hard to envision that but that might i guess if i had to that'd be the one 
Yeah, I so I am big on schools having unique colors. I really like the idea that like scarlet and gray is awesome because it is a unique color combination and it's an obvious one too. You would think that there would be a lot more schools with that, but it's it's a relatively rare color combination. There aren't a whole other lot of colors to do that. Um, Ohio State originally wanted to do orange and black, but they found out the Princeton had that, so they didn't do that. Uh, which I wouldn't necessarily want to go to. That's you know you don't want to bite the Bengals on that. Uh, well, I would agree with you. Would have preceded them though, if you would have done it originally. You would have been that's true, right? And right. it. But if they're changing now, I wouldn't. Oh, want, right. I wouldn't yeah. want to do anything similar right. to right. the Bengals or the Browns. Um, I would go with you with blue. I would probably not do gray. I would probably do some kind of like like greenish, like darkish green, some kind of thing. Basically, like symbolizing the fields and the rivers of Ohio. I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, you um, could do. It just occurred to me. I w- I'm going to change mine rather from. I mean, with both orange is so dominant in this state. Mm-hmm. Like maybe orange and gray. That'd so be kind of cool. You would do both. I mean, nobody kind. You know, Tennessee kind of had that a little bit, but maybe you go a little orange and gray, like that Bengals Browns orange, and then a gr- dark gray. Or somebody else that like ball thing. I mean, Ohio. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's. Kinda maybe neat. I just talked myself into that. That'd be kind of neat. I'd be down with that. Yeah. Um. All right, this next one's from Suncard. Suncard wants to know, uh, do you think – I really like this question for, for a particular reason. Do you think uh, Coach Day will have the ability to lose uh, games close like Saban, or will he be susceptible to the blowout losses Urban seemed to have from time to time? I don't know, Suncard. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all fire together, Suncard. Suncard. You send in these great questions. I love it, but I cannot answer this question. I have no idea. We don't know. I will say that, really that the um that the one of the that this that is the strangest part of Urban's Ohio State legacy is blowout losses to just garbage trash teams. Yeah. I don't um that'll be that's his cross when you think about his cross to bear on the field at Ohio State, it will be the fact that under his watch. Uh, an ability to play for national championships was lost at the hands of some just trash teams. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's hard. It's hard. That part of it. Purdue, Iowa, and the Michigan State game is going to. Oh, that's, God, that's terrible losses. <laughs> so bad. Terrible losses. Yeah. Uh, and you know what's, what really sucks about that? Here's the thing. I Those were terrible losses, and I'm they were awful for so many reasons. I think the Michigan State one is the worst, not just because it's of it. the situation. Obviously, you've got all the talent and blah, blah, blah. The Michigan State one was the worst for me because like the Illinois game that I watched uh, my last year at Ohio State when I was in grad school, um, I think 2007, right, when they lost to Illinois, uh, they were technically in it, right? Yeah. So you're like, okay, right? You you think there's a chance that they might pull it out. And then when they don't, it's just you feel like crap. But blowout losses, you have time to acclimate to the ass kicking that you're receiving. Yeah. Yeah. but when you feel like you could technically win and it's at home, it's just, those are, those are bad. So I agree with you. And, and I think I hope, it's, I I think it's the worst. Yeah. I think it's the worst loss. I mean, I think it's right there with the 98 Michigan state loss. Yeah. I think, it, I think it's right there with the Bianca Batuka. I think it's every bit. I think it's every bit. I think it's as bad as any loss in the history of the program that that lost to, to Michigan State. The I remember exactly where and how I watched that Michigan game with Tim Bianca Batuka uh, when I was a kid. I, there was this. My parents had this red chair, and I would sit in it like basically upside down when I was a kid. Uh, I was like, I don't know. I think that was what ninety seven, maybe ninety eight. What year was that? Bianca Batuka. Yeah, wasn't it? 
No, wasn't it 95? Yeah. So I was like 10 or yeah. So it was like, it might've been 90, 95 would sound about right. Um, so I was about 10 years old and I just remember like, yeah, 95. So angry. And I'm still angry about that game. It's ridiculous. So this is from Dave. Uh, Dave says, this is a follow-up to our discussion about Trevor Lawrence last week. Could he be the guy to set a precedent and skip his junior season? Do you think this might become a trend? We kind of talked about that, right? And and how the yeah. NFL will push back against that. He may try. He may put out feelers. I just don't think that that's going to be successful. <laughs> I just don't think he's the one to do it. Yeah. Um, he's good enough, but I mean, he's you know, he's no better than luck was or some others, Peyton Manning. I mean, there's, you know, he's, um, I just think it's too good for him to be the quarterback at Clemson. That's just yeah. too good of a, why would he risk that? You know, it's just not worth it to, for that fight that you will lose. I mean, the NFL will fight it forever. So you will lose that fight. So, uh, you know, why do you feel like you want to take all that on? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't, uh, unless he feels like he can make a butt ton of money. And, if, and, and by the way, this is all predicated on the idea that he has like a gangbuster season next year, right? Like if he, if he comes out and he has a mediocre season by his standards, uh, it's kind of a moot point, right? You're going to have to come back your junior yeah. year and, and, you know, perform really well to get, you know, drafted really highly, but it's, I don't know. I just don't feel like he is the guy to do it. And I also, in particular, I don't think that that's the program at which you would try to do it at because you would have probably very little support from your coach who would yeah. not be like, yeah, buddy, go for it. Like, I don't, I don't no. think that was that kind of guy. So, yeah. Uh, last one. This is for you, Bo. This is from AK. Right. This is uh, uh, at Nard Dog on. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, ever notice how uh, Johnny starts every sentence with, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> do you sometimes yeah i, I there are definitely Here's phrases thing. that i repeat on a regular basis i'm not gonna i'll cop to that i won't lie i guess i haven't <laughs> i've been talking to you for about you know so long that maybe i just ha- i don't yeah. know i guess well, i guess i haven't so Nardog. what's funny to me here's what i'll say here's the thing nard dog yeah uh so when i'm teaching right a big part of my job is is talking all freaking day and <laughs> there are definitely phrases when you're when you're trying to convey information, especially when you're repeating that same information several yeah. times during a day. There are things that you're going to say multiple times during a day because it just sticks in your brain that way. And I express myself as a teacher and I guess as a person, because I do so much of it teaching, I guess, uh, with idioms and phrases that I kind of know will be able to get my point across in a simple way. So I actually had a student, uh, and I and I love the student to death. I mean, this this person's great. Uh, but I basically say that every time I said uh, two things, right? And and so what I would do is when I'm ever trying to illustrate a concept, the students will say, "Okay, two things, guys." Yeah. And, right. And the student kept track. They kept track of how many times I did it in the class. And I got so paranoid that I would catch myself doing it and then look at them. And the student would just look at me and tap <laughs> a pad and That's just say, good. like, all right, I marked it down three times already. You gotta keep track of that. Oh, good for her. So I, I get a little self-conscious, but it's fine. It's good because when you're when you're doing this, you do have to kind of vary it up and, and make sure that you're uh, you know you're watching yourself and not, not falling into the trap of just repeating the same phrases over and over. Cause it's easy to do that. It's easy to do that. Sure. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. a trained, I'm not a trained you know, broadcaster. So I'm just, I'm just some dude yelling into a mic once a week. 
Yeah, no, don't and don't be one. Just be you, brother. Don't worry about it. Yeah, no, I, I guess I haven't. I hadn't. I haven't noticed. Well, good. Um, I appreciate that. So, Nardog, the, no one, he has not noticed. How about that? Yeah, um, sorry, Nardog. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's ask us anything for this week. Please continue sending those questions in, and we'll continue asking them or answering. Yeah, them. yeah, very good. Especially this time of year, where <laughs> nice. we're, uh, you just never know. We need it this time of year to get. Yeah, yes. we and plus, uh, we like it. You like getting a little bit off the beaten path. You're, we're, we're fans of that. So uh, we'll be back next week for more fun. Until then, my friend, uh, have a great week, and I'll see you then. Yep, see you next time.